Hello. Welcome to Tony Talks Charles County Crime. I'm Tony Covington, State's Attorney for Charles County and the host for this podcast. You know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and today we have a very special guest who's going to talk about domestic violence and everything that uh, needs to be done to try to combat domestic violence. Her name is Jill Short. She is an advocate for domestic violence uh, victims. We have a survivor herself, and she's going to share her story with us. Most importantly, though, she's going to talk to us about what we need to do to stamp out domestic violence once and for all. So, Jill, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure having you here. It's an honor to be here today. Please tell us about uh, why it is that you are so dedicated to trying to combat domestic violence. Yeah, so my story is what brings me to have the voice that I have, and it's a very important thing because our story is what makes us who we are. It's not our identity. However, the things that we've gone through become, it it is our identity, and it's what we do with it that's important. The story that I have, I do have domestic violence in in my past, and that is the reason behind what I do. Well, for those folks out there who may not understand the definition of domestic violence, when we talk about domestic violence, what are we talking about? Domestic violence actually means any type of physical, financial, or emotional abuse that happens within a home. Okay. Between a relationship, between a man and a woman, a woman and a woman, a man and a man, it doesn't matter. Domestic violence happens to women 85% of the time. 15% 15% of the time, men. And how prevalent is, I know as a prosecutor, and I've been doing this for about 30 years or so, and the percentage of domestic violence cases has really remained steady over the, the, the decades that I've been doing. It's about 25% of the criminal cases uh, that come through this county, but basically everywhere, are domestic violence cases. Right. What about how prevalent is it in society? Because that's, of course, just those cases that are charged. It is so much more prevalent in society than we even would ever know. It's, I believe, classified what I call as an invisible disability. It's no different than other disabilities that people have. We have, obviously, people that are in a wheelchair. We can tell that they're disabled, but there are people that have so many. We all, we have issues going on in our lives, and it's invisible. Our culture makes it to where it's it's almost... um, it's just something that people have a hard time coming out and explaining to others. Well, you know, that's kind of leads me to where I wanted to go here. I mean, before we start talking about solutions on this thing, how do people get into or find themselves in an abusive situation? Yeah. And then I guess the next question is, why do they stay? Yes. Those are the two main questions that I have dealt with. Those are the main questions that actually made me look at my own life and was the reason why I did get out of my situation. I believe that in answer to the question, why and how do people get into a domestic violence situation? Because it's not something that a little girl or a young man grows up. That's not their their goal in life. They don't say, someday I want to end up in a domestic violence situation. I believe that people bring so many components, so many factors with them in their life. We have our cultural upbringing. We have our religious upbringing. We have things called 
Um, ACEs, which I have come to very much appreciate, ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, and we all bring with us our own set of ACEs, all of us. There is not a person alive that makes it to adulthood that has not had one or more, some type of childhood um, adverse experience, which includes death, it includes um, um, abuse from siblings, it, it, it includes uh, abuse from parents, um, trauma, parents losing a job, all of these things. And all of these factors, we bring them with us and we enter a relationship. If we have had childhood abuse, it makes us so much more at risk to be in a relationship if we have low self-esteem, if we have other issues that we haven't dealt with, it puts us at risk. And I assume that uh, obviously the modeling, if you're a child and you see domestic violence between mom and dad, absolutely, then I, I assume you'd be more susceptible yes. to, to yes. ending up in that situation yourself because you think it's the norm. Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. We're bringing with us this package, this, this huge backpack that we bring to our lives. Not only do, do the victims of domestic violence bring that backpack, but the perpetrators and the abusers bring it too. That's where we get into the situation that we're in. We're not growing up as, you know, here we are and we go and we get married or we have a relationship. We are putting ourselves together with another human being, making a family or a relationship with somebody that also has their own bag of aces and their own cultural beliefs, their own religious beliefs, and we're making this relationship. And we find ourselves basically in a slow cooker mm-hmm. because, you know, so, so answering this question, you know, bringing up uh, how do we get there, that's exactly how we get there. We fall in love, we get into a situation, and the reason people stay yeah, it it all just kind of it lets it blends in together. The question of how do we get there? Mm-hmm. The question continues, why do we stay? And in finding out that answer, it kind of helps answer the first question as well. And it's because we aren't married or in a relationship with the boogeyman. Okay. And that is in, you know when we talk to children about stranger danger. Right. That used to be a thing when I was a kid. We had lots of films about, you know, don't take candy from strangers, and we were scared. And then we learned over time that what we needed to be teaching our children was, in addition to, we need to teach them that it doesn't matter who is touching you or obviously doing these things to you, it's not okay. If it's uncle so-and-so, if it's grandpa so-and-so. And so we had to teach children to look outside the stranger danger thing. Well, because, and I'll just add this in here, um, I've certainly seen it over the years I've been prosecuting. Mm, what, 70, 80% of sexual assaults are committed by someone known exactly. to the victim, especially ch- children I'm talking yes. about now. Um, like you said, uncle, grandpa, brother, yeah. sister, whatever it is. Um, so. Stranger danger has its place, but that's a minority of the abuse that actually takes place. And that analogy, just how we're talking about the education we need to give our children Mm -hmm. to help prevent abuse, we also need to take that into our, um, I'm talking, I'm a woman, so I'm going to talk predominantly here about women that are in abusive situations, but it applies across the board. But we have to have a different we have to ha- be educated differently because 
we're not married to the boogeyman. We're married to someone who the reason we stay, or we're in a relationship rather, we stay because that person isn't always bad. They're not always evil. There is the ugly part. There's the scary parts. And normally people that are in these abusive type relationships, the abuse isn't constant. It ebbs and it flows. And the flow is bad. But the ebb is great. And the ebb, every time the abuser comes and has that swoop down and the, you know, the, everything hits the fan, those are scary times. But then that person comes back around. And part of their mechanism now is, oh, my goodness, they've done this. Now they have to gather back. And it's a cycle. And you get in there and you get hooked. And you've lived that. So I did. You're speaking from I experience. Did. I hooked. I was hooked into that. Now, add in religious or cultural beliefs that we're taught, and that's why people stay. They see someone, they're saying, oh, I want to do better. They see that person being really amazing when they are amazing. Then which one, who, who is it that you're married to or who are you in relation, who are you in relationship with? Is it the bad guy or, or, the, or the good guy, the really good guy? So it can become very complicated. It can become very scary. When people have children together, it makes it even harder. Now throw in religious and cultural beliefs. Um, earlier, Tony, I was speaking with you about my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been involved in some sexual abuse as a child. This put me at risk. I had some issues of stuffing how I felt. I believe that it hurt some self-esteem that I had for myself as well. I also grew up hearing a story about my grandparents, who my grandfather was an abusive alcoholic and would beat up my grandmother every weekend. Mm -hmm. But I grew up hearing that my grandmother was a saint because she put up with him. She stood by him. So this translated out in my life as good people stick with it. You believe in your man, stand by your man. Mm -hmm. You put up with it. Maybe you're afraid leaving is going to be worse for your children. And I'm just saying, like, I I just have to, to say here that it isn't. It's never okay to put yourself and your children at risk. So right. that that brings us to a whole new section of this discussion. Sure. So uh, that that basically answers why why people stay. Yeah. Um you know, I have uh been railing for years now as a prosecutor um and seeing what's going on and demanding trying to get resources to help people. I I often say that uh, no one should ever have to stay in that abusive relationship because they don't have some place to go. They don't have the finances to get out of there. There ought to be something somewhere, and I think government run because, you know, there are some things the government has to do, mm-hmm. okay? I know that uh, private organizations, in fact, you're on the board of uh, Center for Abused Persons here in uh, Charles County, a great organization um, that tries to help out as best they can. Um, but the government sometimes has to step in on those things, and domestic violence is one of those because it is so prevalent. Uh, people need help, and people die if they don't get the help. Mm-hmm. People die, um, not all the time, um, but guess what? Just because somebody didn't die doesn't mean they should have to stay there, That's right? right? Um, so I, I've been arguing for, for more resources for shelters and all of that, especially here 
in Charles County, but everywhere. I mean, there aren't there aren't nobody has, has said that any shelters don't have uh, full beds. And it's like, oh, what am I going to do with this shelter? You know, yeah. uh, we need the resources out there. How do you think we should? Well, one, what do you think we need um, to help us get help people get out of these uh, situations? And how do we go about getting the resources that at least I think uh, we don't have enough of? I believe that awareness, awareness, awareness is the, the one of the main steps. Education, um, going out and having enough people out in the field speaking to churches, speaking to communities, speaking to um, community organizations. I I know from experience with me, I went through a period of time when we were I was leaving my abusive situation. I had a very large family. I was fortunately for a time I was in a church um, denomination where the people were pretty kind. Um, I lived in some basements. I was on food stamps. I did all that. Mm-hmm. Um, very very helpful at the time. I believe that where. Um, the community needs to step up is bridging the gap between the people that are undergoing, the victims that are undergoing these domestic violence situations and the the good people, and I'm using quotation marks to say this, you've got your the people over here that look out at people that are suffering in domestic violence situations. Something has to be done to bridge this gap. And people have to start understanding that it isn't just something that's happening over there. It is their Mm sister-in-law. It is their grandmother. It is their neighbor. It is the person in their church. We think we know them and we don't. Because it's either, you're either going to out with the real problem and then what are you going to do? Or you're gonna live. You're gonna be quiet about it. People only have two choices. Right. Once they let that cat out of the bag, their nest is gonna come out of that tree. Right. It's gonna get worse. And a lot of times, people have no idea how to get from that frying, frying pan. How do they get out? Well, that's what I, I I say to people all the time. You know, I guess the public who isn't directly involved in this. They don't have that situation in their family. They kind of think, well, this woman has been in this situation for years. Mm-hmm. And, and that because of that, she must have some insight into getting out, mm-hmm. where to go, you know, what shelters, whatever it is. And I guess by the fact that she is still there probably tells you that she doesn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and for some reason, there's a disconnect with everybody mm-hmm. on that. Um, so awareness is important on that. You know, they've been trying to pass some laws here lately because we've had a number of horrendous um, uh, murder suicides here, mm-hmm. actually in Charles County yeah. um, this year. And uh, you just mentioned it, and I'll just say it more plainly, the most volatile time frame for the abused person is when they finally do open their mouth. Yes. For instance, they go down to the commissioner's office and get a protective order. Mm-hmm. Um, that protective order is about as powerful as the paper it's written on. That's about it. The guy is either going to adhere to it or he is not. And if he doesn't, then really, really bad things can happen. Unfortunately, we had that here. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, it's just very difficult 
for folks at that moment. I'm trying to put together something, I, I call it a domestic violence escape team type mm-hmm. of situation where um, where there's real volatility that the government agencies that are responsible to try to help people in this, Department of Social Services, Sheriff's Office, our office, and private organizations like CAP mm-hmm. can be there and actually have somebody come out there and say, hey, look, you know, you've taken that first step. This is a real dangerous time. Right. Let's get you out of here. Yeah. Let's get your kids out of here, mm-hmm. even if it's just temporary mm-hmm. for a, a cooling off period, if you will. What do you think mm-hmm. about that? I think that's incredibly smart. And I also know that um, raising awareness among religious groups that social services aren't, they're not the enemy, is a big, that's a big step too. Oh, really? Yes. Mm-hmm. There is a huge, um, out there among, especially the more extreme and more conservative a religious group gets, social services and the government is looked at as scary because these people know that their child might be taken away, their children could get taken away. So these parents are scared mm-hmm. to speak up. And I know for me, and here I am on the other side, here I'm an advocate working. I've worked now for for quite some time on this other side. And it's amazing to realize what the other side from here looks like. And people can actually look at social services, policemen. People can be scared. Mm -hmm. And fear plays such a big role of why people don't reach out and get help. They are scared. Like I said, their nest is about to come down out of the tree. They're looking at um, their volatile partner, what's going to happen. They're also looking at what is the government or what are social services going to do. Something has to be done to educate the public that these are your friends and that resources are there. People do care. I learned that. I had Christmas brought to me. I had shop with the cop. I had people paying my electric bill. I had community outreach. I had people, I ha- I woke up one Christmas morning. I had, it was two years in there where it was just tremendously hard financially mm-hmm. for us because I had been a stay-at-home mom. What was I supposed to do if I left? What was I going to do? And the community, we woke up Christmas morning, there was presence I, I never did find out who did that, but it wasn't my church group. Yeah. This was another community group. But there That's is great. a huge ability that the community has to reach out and put in place these. I think that we need to think outside the box, and we need to come up with, like you said, these teams, people that can come in and help. Um, it shouldn't be – people shouldn't have to be alone when they go through this. You're absolutely right about that. And part of the – the, I don't want to call it a psychosis, but part of what the abuser mind games that they place on the abused is you are alone. I mean, mm-hmm. part of it is they isolate mm-hmm. the person in the yeah. first place from friends and family. Yeah. That you, they don't, you don't have any place to go. You're dumb. You mm-hmm. can't get a job. You're not going to be able to support yourself and the kids and on and on and on and on and on, which, of course, contributes to everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the awareness that you're talking about, yes. that our community needs to understand that uh, this just doesn't happen. There are reasons, like you say, mm-hmm. uh, the baggage, the aces and all yeah. that. But also it's a concerted effort by the abuser Yes. He doesn't want things to yeah, change. He wants right. things to stay the same. Um, and uh, that just contributes to people staying there for longer periods of time. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I am old enough to to understand that uh, 
there are plenty of people um, in this world who, who still say, whatever goes on behind closed doors yes. stays there. Yeah. I think that's lessening and lessening because mm-hmm. we see all the – it's just because of the nature of our, of our world now because right. everybody knows everybody else's business with social media and everything else. So quite frankly, that's a good thing that people do care about what's going on in somebody else's house. Right. Um, the hard part is getting people to take a step and help out. Yes. Yes. And, you know, today the media is kind of blowing it up a little bit even more. It's becoming almost a, you know, we're rolling our eyes now when we hear the word domestic violence because it's like, oh, my gosh, now what? You know, what else? Mm-hmm. But we just need to keep chipping away. I believe that um, coming in with uh, concerted efforts to help victims unlearn what they've learned. I believe, you know, I see so many jump right back into ugly relationships. They they get out of one. They go right back into the other. And... Um, the abusers themselves, the people that are abusing in these relationships, they need help. There's so much that can be done, and I believe that, that the community can do so much if we could just get rid of the stigma and if we can just insert ourselves into this as caring citizens. There's so much more that we can do. The laws, there's been so much change in America. Back last year in January, I was able to um, go and be part of a uh, domestic violence and child sexual abuse awareness uh, education program in the country of Cyprus, which is a very small country. Until recently, they've had nothing in place, nothing. So I was the first person ever to speak publicly about abuse of the sexual nature that goes on in homes or in with children. It aired on several channels nationally, and they, in three or four years, have gone from having nothing to having more, but they're small. You know, they're sure. small. In America, we have 50 states. All the, the laws are different throughout the states. But if we look at where we've come, where how far we've come in the past, um, just since I was a child, you know, when I went through the things as a child that I went through, I had, we didn't talk about it. There was nothing. There was nothing. I never got help. Mm. The sibling that abused me never got help. He went on to abuse his own children and is still in prison today. Mm. Wow. I ended up marrying someone who had been abused as a child. He never got help. We never got help. We were in this horrible relationship. And like I said, he wasn't the boogeyman. This person had great qualities and at this point has gone on. I'm not with him anymore, but has gone on to be a, a wonderful, you know, he's gone on to, to help try to better his own life. I have gone on. There are things, if we could look at this as a proactive wellness approach that if through, through positive help, and through um, deciding that we want to live better, that that's not our identity. I am not a victim. I am a victor that had some really bad things happen to me. And it's a choice. It's a daily choice. So, Jill, along with uh, some of your the projects that you have out there, I, I certainly have heard and understand that you're getting into our schools talking to youngsters about uh, domestic violence and dating violence, I suppose. Tell us about that. Yes, this is something so near and dear to my heart. I feel like, you know, earlier in our 
discussion here, we spoke about how do we get here? How do people end up in domestic violence relationships? And it starts a lot of times, these young people today in middle school and high school are already, they can already say that they've experienced that in their own dating relationships. Wow. In finding this out, especially in our county, in St. Mary's County, this past year with um, the terrible tragedy with the school shooting that involved um, dating domestic violence, Mm -hmm. it is a huge um, goal of mine as a community member, as an advocate, but also as a partner with the Center for Abused Persons to get into every school, middle school and high school in in St. Charles, hopefully St. Mary's, Prince George's County, and bring to mind to these children that what they're, these relationships that they're having with these young men and women, that is what's setting the stage. And already, when I go in and I speak in a high school, it is crazy, the flood afterwards of kids that are 13, 14, 15 years old saying they've already been in a dating relationship that turned bad. They've undergone physical abuse. They've undergone emotional abuse already at that age. And we've got, that's one thing that we've got to do different in our county, in our community, is raise the bar of what we're teaching our children in our schools. We're scared to use the word domestic violence in schools. Okay, let's come in and let's say it differently. Let's talk about healthy relationships. But in doing so, we must raise awareness with our children that they're getting into relationships and they're just setting the stage for more. Well, that goes back to what you said earlier as well. You didn't say, use this phrase, but I use it all the time. It's generational yeah. because people are being taught things. So these kids who are 13, 14, 15 years old, they're seeing it in their home, mm-hmm. the abuser, mm-hmm. and, of course, and perhaps the, the, the victim as well, but also our culture yes. is so violent now. Yeah. Um, not that it hasn't always been violent, but there's a lot of violence out there, and it's readily available on all the social media and everything that you have. Yeah. I mean, when when I was coming up, you didn't have all that stuff. Right. And sure, the world was a violent place, but you didn't necessarily see it every single day, every minute of the day, or had the potential of seeing it yeah. because you can get on the Internet and, and whatever it is. Um, so that's great that you're reaching out to the kids um, we try to get into the kids as well. We call it our Think About It campaign. We talk mm-hmm. about that, but we talk about successful living. We really don't touch on the domestic violence too much um, because it's just a little bit. Uh, it's you know it's a, it's a whole um, can of worms. It's a whole category for <laughs> itself, but it's also you know it's a whole presentation. Yeah. So we don't really get into it that much, but I'm glad you're you're out there trying to uh, impact the kids because let me just give you one stat. They did a study a long time ago about guys on death row. Every single one of them had been abused or witnessed Mm -hmm. violence in their home as children. And 100% see that violence is a way to try to solve problems, and of course it's not. You know that I'm with you, and I am happy that you are a victor, and I'm very happy that you are out there fighting so hard to lift a whole lot of other folks who are being victimized into survivorship and being victors of their own. Well, I'm going to be fighting with you. We're going to try to. I've been. I've said many, many times. You know, uh, somebody might put your hands on you one time, but that should be it. Right. 
because yes. you should be out of there and you should have the resources from somewhere, somehow, yep. to get out of there and, and deal with it. So we're going to keep fighting for that. I certainly am. And, again, I want to thank you for for being here on our podcast today. This was uh, Jill Short, ladies and gentlemen, domestic violence advocate on the board of the Center for Abused Persons here and a great citizen trying to help a whole lot of people, and we appreciate you. Thank you very much. And I want to thank all of you for listening today. There's a lot of information on domestic violence. We appreciate uh, Jill Short. If you need to contact Ms. Short, you can contact her at her website, which is alwaysavoice.com. Also, for Center for Abused Persons, if you have a crisis anytime, 24-7, you can call their crisis hotline, 301-645-3336. If you're in a situation or you know somebody who's in a situation, please make sure they have that crisis hotline number. And lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. Be on the lookout for them. We're going to be coming out, I don't know, once a month or so on various topics all having to do with the law and criminal justice here in Charles County. Again, thank you for listening. This is Tony Covington. See you next time.